Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. It is straight up two o'clock on this Tuesday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Good afternoon. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. No shouting, no screaming today for a couple of different reasons. It doesn't seem particularly um, pertinent with what's going on, but we certainly welcome you into this edition of Burns and Gambo. My name is Dave Burns. Happy, at the very least, to be back with Gambo after the last couple of weeks of holidays and vacations and things like that. That's right. I hope you had a good couple of weeks off. It's good to have it was you good. back. Recharge the batteries, get away for a little bit, spend some time with the family, that type of stuff. Uh, got through a whole thing of Cobra Kai, got caught up on Yellowstone, uh, the Valhalla murders, a TV show out of Iceland. So, I mean, that's probably, I mean, we didn't do a whole lot because we have a very old 16 and a half year old Chihuahua that's blind. And so my wife was not, we're not going anywhere, you know, until he decides to, uh, uh, to pass, so um, yeah, so but that was it. It was good to it was good to spend some to get to get away and recharge the batteries. And yep. uh, but I'm glad to be back. I am glad. I need to, I need to do this show, it's, so I'm glad to it's, be back. It's good, it's good to be back. And uh, the reason for I, I mean beyond what happened with Demar Hamlin last night, and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But beyond what happened to that, uh, do want to dedicate today's show uh, in the memory of a colleague of ours for many many years who passed away over the weekend after a head on collision with a drunk driver on Saturday. Don Paul, who was an account executive here at the station that we all years. knew and loved. 22, I believe. Yeah. I, years. Um, beloved co-worker. And it's, we dedicate today's show to her in her memory because it's, uh, she knew everybody here. Big, huge, infectious smile. Big laugh. Everybody loved her. And we're going to miss her. We're going to miss her. And it's sad and it's tragic. And everyone's very, it's cast you know. upon all over the entire station today. We no got doubt. a message from Ryan Hatch just the other day that Connie sent out to us, and it was just, um, it was Saturday in the morning. Uh, devastating news that Don Paw tragically passed away in a car accident. Her husband is in a hospital. Um, they have a, a son and a daughter. The son was a baseball player for the U of A, and Chip Hale just graduated, I believe, this year. Uh, was a good baseball player. Is a good baseball player, and uh, boy, I've worked with Dawn on accounts in the past, and as if I you know, saw her not too long ago. And when you got this news, it hits you like a like like a brick. Yep. Like, are you kidding me? Like one of our coworkers is gone tragically. So, uh, we have a tweet out. There is a fundraiser. If anybody wants to be involved with that, a GoFundMe page. I retweeted it and quote tweeted it and everything. But yeah, we're all uh, we're you know we're a family too, like a football team, right? This is our family, and I'm sure many of you that work in an environment where you're close with a lot of people, you have your family. So our radio family took a devastating loss this weekend. Yep. And so we dedicate today's show in her memory and we wish the very best to her husband and her two kids. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Well, it goes without saying, that was one of the most tragic, heartbreaking moments you could argue in the history of professional football last night. Watching what was transpiring on the field between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. Buffalo safety Tamar Hamlin did have his heartbeat restored on the field. He suffered a cardiac arrest during the game Monday night against the Bengals. He is currently 
currently in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital. His family released a statement oh, sometime this morning or so updating everybody on his status. The statement from DeMar Hamlin's family, quote, on behalf of our family, we want to express our sincere gratitude for the love and support shown to DeMar during this challenging time. We are deeply moved by the prayers, kind words, and donations from fans around the country. We also want to acknowledge the dedicated first responders and healthcare professionals at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center who have provided exceptional care to DeMar. We feel blessed to be a part of the Buffalo Bills organization yeah, and to have their support. It was absolutely brutal to see that. I mean, and just brutal. And for anybody who was watching it live or uh, I, I imagine if, if you weren't watching the game live at some point, you got a message or you saw on social media what happening uh, and then you probably saw it. It was it was very difficult to watch. Damar Hamlin get uh, T Higgins, you know, you know, ran into him and she makes makes the tackle. He stands up and then down like a ton of bricks right in front of the referee. Everybody else had turned around, and then you just see them rush onto the field, administer CPR. The defibrillator was out. They eventually get him into the ambulance. They get him to a level one trauma center, uh, and 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 now it's just you know you wait, you wait, and they're doing the very best that they can. And it was great that he had great professional medical assistance right away. Yep. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, I mean, I said a prayer for him, and I'm sure a lot of other people did too. And you know, now you just wait and see because it takes time. You don't. Know, you know, this isn't. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting an update like, hey, he's, he's he's okay, he's out of it, he's fine, he's up walking around. That stuff that doesn't work like that with a with something like this with cardiac arrest. So it's probably going to take some time before we we get answers. Yeah, it 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 will, and. No one is expecting that anytime soon. I know last night, and you know, we'll talk about kind of different elements of how last night unfolded. But I think that's what we're all. Anybody listening to the show right now, and certainly you and I hosting it, or, or Mitch, or Eric, or Jesse behind the scenes, we're all we're all experienced veterans when it comes to watching sports. Right? We watch a lot of sports, and we've all seen moments like last night unfold at the beginning. Player down, surrounded by medical staff, teammates are concerned. At some point during last night, it took a very different turn, right? You weren't it, getting the thumbs up from right, Damar Hamlin. Yeah, hey, look, you hey, give me the okay, thumbs up I'm going into the ambulance. I'm okay. Yeah. Or is he's coming off the field on a card. Or, or it, And in the absence of that, and then when ESPN came back from a break, and there's Sean McDermott, and he's crying. And there's Stephon Diggs, and he's crying. And there are Bills There was one Bills who player were, who was just screaming. Screaming. One Bills player, yeah. yeah, and then you sort of, you know, yeah, obviously, and that's how you like you knew, like, oh my god, this is really serious. Yep, the reaction of the players showed, told you, told the story. It's it. It told the story. He's in real danger here. He's in real, real danger here, because the reaction of the players was of that of dire concern for their teammate, for the the opposition. If you're the Bengals, and you just saw that look, you're like, okay, this is. Um, this, 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 this is not good. It's not good at all. And they were on the field. They administered the CPR. The athletic trainers got out there really quickly. Um, they brought the backboard and the stretcher out. Um, and, but yeah, so many players were in tears and they, they and performing CPR on them. You know, this isn't a knee, this isn't a knee injury. Yeah. You know, this is bad. And that was the listening to those and, and, a special word of of commendation to to Joe Buck and to Troy Aikman and to Lisa Salter and then to Ryan Clark and Scott Van Pelt later 
for the job that they did covering that. I mean, it, 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 Adam Schefter and Booker McFarlane and and um, Susie Colbert as well, of course, in the studio, because they they were seeing things that we couldn't see. They were seeing things, and credit to them too for not replaying the moment. I, I think they did one replay of it, and when they quickly got the idea of what was going on, but to hear them to describe it behind the scenes, the things that they were seeing that they weren't showing us, you know, pounding on his chest, the the uh, almost violent kind of CPR that they were giving him yeah. on the field. Joe Buck talked about that a lot. Scott Van Pelt talked about that a lot. It was it was gut-wrenching, and it was the kind of thing that, I, I don't know about you, I was actually watching the game with my wife. She never watches football with me, but we were eating dinner, and we had just finished eating dinner, and it happens. And like three or four times I had said, hey, I'll go upstairs and watch this if you don't want to. And it was it was the kind of thing you couldn't turn away from, right? You couldn't. St- I didn't stop watching last night. Until Scott Van Pelt signed off at about ten o'clock, and, and and they went, and he was on with Ryan Clark, and I thought that they did a they good did a job, job of just Ryan they, Clark just trying to. They went like an hour without taking a commercial break. I know, I know. They just kept going and going because kept waiting for some yeah. sort of an update, right? And and to a certain extent, we're still waiting. Like you said, he's in the hospital now. He's in critical condition. Critical condition. I do, we're neither one of us are doctors, but I don't think we're going to hear anything anytime soon until he's a little more out of the woods on no, this one. I, we don't know what that looks I mean, like exactly. You know, my, my daughter Gabriella, she's she's a doctor. She works at a level one trauma center. And, you know, I, I immediately, you know, just talked with her about it. And the, the good news is that they got immediate assistance to him. They so this isn't you know cardiac ninety percent of cardiac arrest that happened without medical attention ends in, in a fatality ninety percent this is my daughter sent me the study she does this for a living ninety percent end in fatality um, if it, you have a cardiac arrest at your house and you're nobody's around but the fact that there were medical personnel there that they got out there that they performed CPR that they had the defibrillator that they had quality medical attention right it gives him the best chance now what whether he makes it or not like we're praying for him but he had the best chance because there was quality medical attention provided for him right away they brought him to a level one trauma center they had the defibrillator and that, that and he's a, and he's a younger guy with that's an athlete it gives him the best fighting chance possible it does it gives him the best fighting chance possible to to come through in this it is uh the donations to his toy drive this was incredible i tweeted this out last night it was incredible four Point seven million dollars. The goal was twenty five hundred. Yeah, because fans and, and Buffalo's Buffalo Bills fans especially are famous for this. But but it's obviously the donations are coming from everywhere and everybody and everything now. Um, it was it was immediately within moments after he was taken off the field. It was revealed on social media that he had organized a charity toy drive for for the, the an organization from yep. his hometown that his parents are involved with and they had at the beginning going into the holidays they had a very modest goal of 2500 people wanting to help not knowing what else to do started donating to his chasing m's foundation community toy drive it's at 4.7 million dollars right now that's incredible it's just you just people just and this is the good in people just wanting to do something good in that time positive energy energy, you know, positive energy. Let's be a part of something that he was a part of. You felt like you were helping in some way, in some small way, by making a donation and contributing and being a part of that. And that, and that 
I, I just kept getting because I tweeted that out, you know, early last night, and it like there wasn't much money in that thing at all. When I, somebody's like, it had like sixty thousand dollars. They wanted twenty five hundred, sixty thousand dollars. You wake up today, it's three million, three million, four million dollars, and just people coming together. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. It's a great sign. People coming together it's to help. To see. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the NFL did release an update, and while we all acknowledge that it's of minor concern compared to what's going on with Demar Hamlin, it still is information that needs to be passed along, and we will pass it along next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Tuesday, our first show together in a couple of weeks after the holidays, and it's good to be back. Though good to I see wish. you. Good, good to see good the to whole see group too. Yeah, good to see the whole group. Even you, Mitch. Back. <laughs> Even you. <laughs> Poor Mitch. I'm teasing. <laughs> we love Mitch. We do. We love everybody. Um, it's Erica. We don't really. Care. Oh, oh, I'm there it is. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm it was sorry. just bada bing. Oh, there was there was <laughs> real comedic timing in that. That was good. That was funny. I like that. That was impressive. <laughs> Um, it's it's certainly challenging, you know, kind of conditions right now with what's going on. And I want to make something very, very clear that as we discuss this, it's kind of a logistics-based conversation about this. This in no way is the most important element of this story. No, and right? yesterday was not a time to discuss, you know, we all, I can't imagine that there was anybody out there that thought that they should have played that game last night. But there may have been. Um but, I mean, I think we were all watching, like, they can't play this game. I mean, no. look at the play. They can't play this game. It's obvious. I mean, you've got a brother that's, that's, that, that's fighting, clinging for his life, okay? They restored his pulse, but they, they needed help. Like, you can't play. How do you go out there and play that game? I don't know how you could play. So, I think we were all in agreement that the game needed to be canceled and that they shouldn't play the game. And then you figure out the rest later on. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, at some point, like, you do have to figure it out, okay? Yesterday, last night, wasn't the time to discuss it. No. But today, you've... You do. You've got you've got a season on the line. You've got uh, you've got playoffs and Super Bowl right around the corner. You do have to figure that out. But clearly, last night wasn't the time to do it. But today, today you've got to take a look at it. You've got to take a real hard look at it. Yeah, and and I liked you know we're relying so much on ESPN for their coverage of last night, and they did do you know top to bottom every single person involved in that broadcaster, the the, the producers, everybody did such an amazing job. And and one of the things they did do a great job of was staying away from the logistical conversation, the game itself. You know whether they were going to play it, how they were going to play, what was going to happen. I mean, it was, it, and you're right; it was very obvious that game needed to not happen last night. But today, we we did get some information, and again, this is not the most important part of the story, but it's also the business of the NFL. The game between the Bills and the Bengals that was suspended last night will not be resumed this week. The NFL announced today. Right. The NFL said in a statement that Commissioner Roger Goodell informed the teams the game would not be resumed this week after consulting with both teams and the NFL Players Association leadership. The league, however, has made no decision on resuming the game at a later date, and Week 18 remains as scheduled. The first thing you think about is there a way that they cannot play that game? And so you look at the standings and you say, okay, is there a way? Because Buffalo's playing for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 
Um, about right now, Kansas City has it, but Buffalo could overtake them. Uh, maybe if Buffalo wins next week and Kansas City loses, you're like, okay, Buffalo doesn't need to play. They, you know, because if Kansas City falls to 13 and four, um, but even still, I mean, I, I would imagine that you're going to have to play the game. Cincinnati and Baltimore are fighting for the division title, so I can't really see a scenario in which the games that game doesn't have to be played because again, home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs are on the line with Buffalo and Kansas City, and the AFC North title between Cincinnati and Baltimore is on the line. Um, now maybe Baltimore. Baltimore loses next week, and then 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 they can't catch Cincinnati. Or, but even if Kansas City loses, that's four losses. And well, I, I, I just I don't see a scenario in which you don't in which you can't play okay. the game. I'll 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 tell you this, Albert Breer, uh, and I'm going to read this verbatim here because I want to make sure his sensitivity is noted in this. He writes on Twitter: there are obviously small things compared to what's happening with Demar Hamlin, but if Bengals Bills is declared a no contest and they don't play it. Right. The Bengals would win the AFC North and would lock in as the three seed. The Chiefs would be positioned to be the number one seed with a win on Saturday. So that's if basically the league says the Bills and the Bengals are just going to play 16 games and everybody else is going to play 17. That's how it would so go. So then Buffalo would lose. Because if Buffalo wins out, they, they get home field advantage because they beat Kansas City. They, they would. Um, so now you're taking home field advantage away from the Buffalo Bills if you do that. But that might be the that might be the only way where the fewest people are impacted. Because well, why then not just push why, everything back? Why not just play all the games next week? The following week, have Cincinnati play Buffalo, and then the week after that, start the playoffs, and then just don't have. Then you don't have to move the Super Bowl at all. You don't have to do anything you with the just Super Bowl. Lose the two weeks. You lose in the between. two weeks. You go to one week. It's yeah. the simplest solution. And it's that the might fa- be the simplest. Solution. It's the fairest solution because it wouldn't be fair to the Buffalo Bills to be like, okay, you got to go to Kansas City and play in Arrowhead instead of playing in your stadium. Like, that's, like, I think, I I mean, declaring it a no contest, I I mean, I can't see that as a viable option because it really hurts one team. I can see it as a viable option. I don't know if they'll do it. You know, I I can see it as they're just going to say, this is a set of unusual, extraordinary circumstances, and this is the best that we can do. Now, can they do better by doing what you suggest? Yes, they could by losing that awful. They can't push everything back. You can't push the Kansas City come in and say, hey, you know what? Listen, we'll take the two seed. I don't know. That's, boy, that's. Could that's, they say, look, in the honor of sportsmanship here? That's a great let's question. Let's assume that they were going to win that game. We'll take the two seed. I don't know. If Buffalo wins this week, if they win this week, because they've got the, well, and that they have the Patriots. That everybody's ready to play this week. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have a game Sunday. The games are gonna go on. I, I know, but there's there is this other element of if nobody really knows how Hamlin is doing, if there hasn't been one update one way or another, that's an awfully tough set of circumstances for either yeah. of those teams. I mean, we keep talking about the Bills in this, and certainly they should be the crux of the conversation. The Bengals saw it all too. I mean, T. Higgins. I, I was reading some of the tweets that he's walking out of that stadium last night with his mom, his mom kind of in his arms. Yeah. He was the one. He was the one who lowered his helmet. Kind of, yeah, right. Who kind of initiated that? Not that it's his fault. It's not. But I'm sure he. Gamble. The, 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 there is no simple, easy solution. Though I would agree with you. But what's the, that fairest? the fairest? 
is to drop the off week in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. So that everybody, everybody gets a week off except Buffalo and, and Cincinnati. I, and I think if memory serves, I read today, they did that in 2001 after the 9-11 attacks. Okay. That by taking a couple weeks off, that was, I think, I could be wrong about this, I think that was the last year there was no two-week stretch between the conference champions because the schedule got altered because of 9-11. So it hasn't happened in 20 years. I believe that was the last time it existed. I could be wrong. So there's no there's no simple solution. There's no I I don't know I don't know what they're going to do. The fairest thing would be to play every single game. The simplest thing would be for Buffalo and Cincinnati to each play 16 games and everybody else plays 17 and you just live with the ramifications. That would probably be the easiest thing to do, but I don't know what they're going to do. I have no And then last night I and I, and I think that I applaud the fact that they are taking their time to make sure they make the right decision. Yeah. It, and not rushing in and just announcing something. Here you go. Here's what we're going to do. Yep. Talk about it. Talk about it with everybody involved and see if there is. Again, I think you come up with what is fair for everybody involved. Yeah. And that is according to the statement that the NFL released. Uh, it sounds like that's exactly what's going on. In fact, I, I even saw a tweet today from, I think it was Diana Rossini, who said that, you know, coaches are actively talking with other coaches, much like we saw Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor talk last night on the field about, hey, what, you know, not what are we going to do necessarily, but how do you think this is going to work? And how are you handling this with your players? And how do you think I should handle this with my players? And that's why I think. Something you said, I think, also applies to last night. There was, I noticed on social media, there was a real rush for the NFL to declare that that game wasn't going to happen. Look, these are, that was an unprecedented situation for the NFL to deal with. And not that that game should have ever been played because it shouldn't have been. But I also think the NFL, everybody deserves a little bit of a pass for last night. That had never but happened before. I don't before. think that based on, uh, initially they said the NFL was telling everybody you got five minutes to warm up. Well, well, Troy, but you, Troy Vincent said that wasn't the case. Like that, that was wrong. And I don't know where that report came from, but that report was kind of fueling this idea. Like, well, you even saw Stefan Diggs at one point. He was like rallying the Buffalo Bills as if there was an expectation that they were going to go on the field and play this game. Troy Vincent last night on the conference call said five minute warm up was a, never a part of the conversation. Five minutes warm up never, never was, never crossed my mind personally. And I was uh, the one I'm saying I not to be selfish. But the one that was communicating with the commissioner, we never, frankly, it never crossed our mind that to talk about warming up to resume play. That's that's ridiculous. That's, that's um, insensitive, and that's not a place that, that we should ever be in. And again, how that reporting came to be, I don't know. But given that that was truly an unprecedented situation in the history of the NFL, I think it's okay to give everybody a little bit of a pass to try to figure out how they were going to navigate that situation last night. It had never happened before. You know, so I, I I give the NFL, I give everybody in that moment of kind of confusion yeah. to try to figure out what was going to happen. I, I've I like, there's no doubt in my mind. And even if the NFL had said you guys got to play, they weren't they playing. Were, oh, no, that the players were not playing in no, that game. No way. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at 620-620. For the Suns. Oh, boy. Things are starting to spiral a little bit for Phoenix. Another loss yesterday. Is it time to hit the panic button? And if so, where is it? Next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
the Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. Rolling it out for the first time. Eric Ruby is with us here. Rubes, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, guys. What you got for? I wish the Suns were helping us celebrate the New Year. How happy of a New Year is it? The way the Suns have been playing the last little bit of stretch of times could have fans saying, "I swear to God, start to play better, or you're going to kill me." It's been a rough, rough, rough run. You're getting thumped every single night. Wow. So bad I had to go back Are and you kidding me down. with this? Are you serious with this? This is all from a different era of Suns basketball, but applies right Ooh, now. Man. You went back and pulled old archived John Gambadoro This was already cut. This was the... just rants about bad Suns basketball wow. from years past. Wow. That's how bad things are right now, that's, guys. That's creative. So our poll question is simple. Is it time to press the panic button? Yes or no? Damn right it is. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm, I'm officially panicked. I don't really kidding. I want a basketball game. They're getting clubbed in I these know, games. They're, they're, they're let, getting drilled. I was actually really looking forward to watching yesterday's game because I really thought, okay, they'll put forth a really good effort. And the game was over in the mid, first quarter. Midway through the second quarter, they're down 32. I'm like, okay, right. bye. Yeah. I'll, I'd rather take down the Christmas tree five times over in one day than watch this. It was it was brutal. It was tough. It was awful. Yeah, I am. A, they are not playing with nearly the required amount of competitive juice to win these games. It's I not get, just the injury. I get it. They're shorthanded. They're missing guys. But where's the juice, man? Where's the edge? They well, look I do get, so flat out there. I do get sad when people start taking out Christmas lights down outside. Oh. I don't know. I just get sad about it. I was Only 12 more months, Gambo. I always get you sad know, about it. For me, when it's over, yeah. it's over. Like it's, I'm, it's, like, I'm just hanging on. People yeah, have no. their Christmas lights up. You get that Christmas spirit. You feel good. And one couple of good, one family, they, they, they shut theirs off for the next one. The next thing, me and I, we, we walk around the block. We have a contest. Who's going to be the last one in the neighborhood with the lights on? Well, it sounds like we, we all pick a house. spirit that you should win that contest every I year. just keep ours on. And yeah, I'd be like, I pick me. Do you know that there are lights that you can keep on and put different colors oh, on yeah. so they're Christmas yeah. lights our, year round? Our, our across the street neighbors have those where they have like Valentine's Day lights, St. Patrick's Day lights. So they can change the color whenever they want. Uh, We're how, avoiding the question, Yes, guys. we are. Yeah, that's what we we can't put it off anymore. No How- surprise here. 81.1% of Suns fans are pressing that panic button. Yeah, you can see why. Quickly yeah. dribbles right side, gives to Randall a three. He got another one. Julius Randall's fourth trifecta of the day. 28 to lead all scores for Randall. 102 yeah, it, was, it was literally the game was over by, yeah, midway it was through down the second 32, quarter. Midway through the second quarter. Down 32, midway through the second quarter. That was it. They I actually done. stopped taking notes on that game in the third quarter. I've got all my notes from the first and second quarter. I'm like, you know no what? I'm so anymore. proud of you. That's such progress for yeah, you emotionally. I'm, like, I'm not going to take fourth quarter notes on a game. That, like this, this thing was done. You're growing as a human being right before our eyes. Yeah, it, 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 that was a game that didn't need notes. No, Chris Paul was a minus 38 in that basketball game. A minus 38. It was terrible. Chris Paul was absolutely brutal. And no points in the first half. And I know he's a great closer, but you know, there's nothing to close when you keep getting down by this many points. I mean, they have they have lost games by 13 because they've lost six out of seven. Five of those losses have been by 13, 25, 25, 9, and 19. Okay? They're getting clubbed. Yeah. These games aren't close. 
So you talk about, you know, it's a time to press, press the panic button. Look, if they were competitive in these games, you might feel like, okay, you know, without Booker, and obviously, you know, you don't have your key player in Devin Booker, and you don't have Cam Johnson, but man, they're not even competitive in these basketball games. No, and that's the real concern, is is the, the fact that these things are over early. And the other thing that's concerning, too, is how differently it's all happening. All right, just over the last week alone, we saw the Wizards game, in which they played deplorable, awful, terrible, awful, no good defense. We saw the Raptors game in which they had, what, 27 turnovers on Friday night? And then yesterday, 11 points in the first quarter. 11 Yeah, they were 5 of 22 from the, the field. Quarter? They were 5 of 22 from the field. They shot 3 of 10 from deep. Plus, they got out-rebounded. I mean, like DeAndre Ayton, grab a rebound. You had 5 rebounds for 29 minutes. You had 5 rebounds. Yeah. Like, grab a rebound. Monty, after the game, talked about playing their way out of tough times like this. The only way to get through tough times is to go through that's it. I told the guys that we're not going off the war. We're not getting a tough diagnosis. It's basketball. And we've done it here before. Our first year we lost eight in a row. But we finished the season winning eight in a row. So I know it can be done. There has to be a collective belief in our group um, across the board about how we need to play, but having a belief when we get hit in the mouth that we still have to play that way. And he even talked about how, quote, mentally and emotionally, I, Monty Williams, I've got to get our guys stronger, close quote. They're not playing with any kind of toughness, any kind of edge, any kind of juice, the stuff that I was alluding to with Eric a second ago. And this, and that, to me, goes beyond, okay, they're missing Devin Booker, all right? And they're, what, two? If you include the Denver game, in which he played four minutes on Christmas Day against the Nuggets, they're two and eight without Devin Booker. I, I mean, they... They've been without book in the past over the last couple of years. They've always found a way to survive it. You know, maybe not thrive, but survive it. Now they just look like like they're toast out there without him. They started that second quarter with three guys who weren't on a team last year. In 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 Damian Lee, Josh Okoji, and Jacques Landale. And, and Dario started the second quarter. He didn't even play last year. So four guys who didn't even play last year for the Suns were, you know, were starting that second quarter. And uh, and with along with Cameron Payne, who's just coming back, but they had no answer for Randall. Brunson killed him in the second quarter, man. He was making everything. Their defense was atrocious. Couldn't make any stops. I mean, I was watching some of these, you know, these baskets. I mean, uh, the Robinson guy, the big guy for the Knicks was getting just some easy dunks because he ended up with Chris Paul on him on one play. He ended up with a Koji on him on another play. Like, man, how do you guys fall into it? How does your defense allow you to end up with Chris Paul covering him? Like, come on, yeah. I guess there's that snowball chance that Ellie's going to make a stop on that. You've mentioned six of their last seven. If you hit zoom out even more, it's 11 of their last 15. They've now lost 11, they've lost 18 games on the season. That matches last year's total. Now, I know last year they set a franchise record for wins in a season, but they've already matched the number of games they lost last year. And perhaps the most scary part about all of this was still half the season to go. The Suns right now are in eighth in the Western Conference. They're a game and a half ahead of Utah for 10th in the Western Conference. Now, they're also two games back of fourth, but with Devin Booker not to be reevaluated for another three weeks, man. and Cam Johnson still feeling like, I saw his interview yesterday with Bally Sports, it seems like he's getting there, but he's not there there. And then this story today from Brian Windhorst about just how much the Suns can do in the trade market because of Robert Sarver's approval that's necessary for deals, it doesn't 
feel like any help is coming anytime soon. Yeah, they got Shamit back. Yeah, they got campaign back. But they've got to play with a better spirit and a better edge before we can even start talking about what help is going to come walking through that door, either in the return of your injured players by making a trade or something. Look, this is why I'm telling you, and I, and I truly believe this, their best window to win a championship, in my opinion, is post-Chris Paul. I think and I've talked. We talked about this, you know, before. And, no, the we talked about this a lot. Yes, it's post Chris Paul. Get off of Chris Paul's contract. Spend the money. Build around Mikhail and Cam Johnson and Book and, and Da. If you're going to keep them, and you know, and, and get rid of Chris and that thirty million contract. And I think your best chance to win a championship is in window two. I've always been a window two guy, not a window one guy. You're more of a window one guy. There's no right or wrong answer. But listen, where they are in the standings doesn't matter as much as they just got to they got to give themselves a chance by getting healthy down the stretch. I, I look the more these games go on and the more this season goes on, the more my belief that they're capable of winning a championship this year gets eroded quarter by quarter, game by game. I really and so this conversation about windows yesterday was probably the first game where I really thought to myself, you know what they they no might not closing. be a player away. They might not be a Jay Crowder trade or a let's give up two first round picks. To get Kyle Kuzma away from making this work. They, they don't look like they're that close. They, they they're don't... expecting a role player back for a role player in a Jay Crowder trade. You're not getting a great, uh, not getting a top. You're trading a role player. Yes. You're trading a, a bench player. You're probably going to get back a bench player. Yeah. But missing that bench player still after all this time. And that's why that Windhorse story's got a lot of Suns fans not in a real good place today. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we have talked about the possibility of one former and experienced head coach as an option to replace Cliff Kingsbury, if that's the direction the Cardinals go. There is perhaps another that we haven't discussed. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on this Tuesday edition of the Burns and Gambo show. We're both back from our holiday vacation, back together for the first time in nearly two and a half weeks. We wish, obviously, we're under better circumstances with the DeMar Hamlin story kind of enveloping sort of everything going on in sports right now. And, of course, if you're tuning in for the latest on that, there has been no medical updates from him or from his family, obviously, given that he's at the University of Cincinnati Hospital and we still wait for more information. In the meantime, the NFL, everything is still on schedule for Week 18 as of right now. We'll see what the fallout is of the schedule ramifications and if that changes. As things stand right now, the Cardinals are scheduled to take on the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday at 2.25 in the afternoon. For the Niners, it's a chance for them to claim the number one seed in the NFC. And for the Cardinals, it's the final game of a season that can't come to an end soon enough. And then on Monday, we wait and watch to see what, when, how the changes look like for the Cardinals. We're, you know, that's basically what this season has been reduced yeah. to at this point. Story out, uh, Cliff Kingsbury not looking beyond this week amid talks of futures head coach. We've got a story up on our website, ArizonaSports.com. Saints expected to seek first round draft compensation for Sean Payton. Look, I like Sean Payton. I'm not giving him a top five pick for Sean Payton. It would have to be a future. Uh, and then here, this one, Jim Harbaugh to the NFL. 
Michigan coach expected to head back to the pros if offered a job per a report after they lost to TCU in the Fiesta Bowl in a great game. Um, and they're saying the Denver Broncos are one of the teams doing their homework on Harbaugh. I'm reading a story right now uh, that the Carolina Panthers owner, uh, David Tepper, has spoken with Jim Harbaugh about the team's head coaching position, according to the Athletics' Joe Person. And a lot of us thought Carolina, Carolina fired Matt Rule in October and Steve Wilkes came in. And a lot of people thought Steve Wilkes was going to get the job. And now there's reports that they, are, they have had conversations with Jim Harbaugh. So that adds a whole new... You know, wrinkle to this thing with not only Peyton being available, but yep. then but also Harbaugh potentially being available. Yeah, the story that you mentioned, the Athletic reporting over the weekend uh, after Michigan lost in that great game. It was a great game. We'll talk about that in a little bit later on in the show. Uh, that after Michigan lost that game to TCU, quote, I think it's a done deal if he gets an offer, close quote, for Harbaugh to leave Michigan, depending on who offers. He knows he's going to have suitors. I was watching the pregame show on Sunday on NFL Network, and they were talking extensively about the Denver Broncos and whether they would make a play. You mentioned a second ago, David Tepper, the conversations that he's been having with Jim Harbaugh. They're described as just conversations and not a job interview. But with now, if Michigan had won that game and they're playing for the national championship, maybe that's a very different tone. But because they lost in the national semifinals, I would think that would increase the availability for a guy like Jim Harbaugh. Let's go back for a second, though. Okay, A first-round pick for Sean Payton. I'm not giving him this pick. I you can't. I, no, can can't. you? No. You no. can't. As much as I want Sean Payton here badly, as much as I think he might be the perfect antidote Not this for what's pick. going on with the Cardinals, can you give up the second pick in the draft, no. the fourth no. pick in the draft? No, because that pick may end up turning into a whole bunch of other picks if somebody wants to move up to get a quarterback like a C.J. Stroud. We'll talk about that probably tomorrow. Listen. Three trades that the Saints are going to look at. The Bucks gave two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million to the Raiders for John Gruden. Two firsts, two seconds, and $8 million bucks. The Patriots gave a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a seventh-round pick to the Jets for Bill Belichick. They also got back a fifth and a seventh, but they gave up a first for Belichick. The Jets gave up a first, second, third, and fourth to the Patriots for Parcells. Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, John Gruden all cost a first-round pick. So you might have to give up a first-round pick to get Peyton, but I'm certainly not giving up this first-round pick. And And that's a deal-breaker for me. That's a deal-breaker. And yet, isn't it interesting that of the three names that you mentioned, two of them were very worth it. Two of them were very worth it, right? Bucks, Bucks, right? Bucks yeah. win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine telling the Patriots, "Hey, uh, your team decided not to trade for Bill Belichick because you didn't want to give up a first round pick." Right? I, I mean, and I'm not saying We're that means it's going to be first round pick. We're talking about a top five pick in the draft. I, I, under- I understand that. I'm just saying that the history of this giving up first round picks or multiple picks for a coach. The history of it suggests that it works, or at least some of the time it works, because what you're getting is a true culture-changing, franchise-lifting coach. I'm just playing devil's advocate when I say this. I agree with you. I don't know if I can package up number four overall in the drafting at Sean Payton. I got to draw the line to him, man. Really expensive. I'll give you next year's first. But if Sean Payton really is going to change the culture, if he's going to change the organization, if he's going to bring the success he had with the Saints here in the long run, isn't it worth it? 
Isn't it worth it to at least think about it in the big, big picture? It's worth it to think about giving up a first-round pick. But again, I mean, there's got to be a point like this is a valuable pick. You could get a game-changing player for a decade. Like you could get a franchise-type player. This team needs help. Okay, Sean Payton could come in here and like this team needs help. They need players. Like, so would you rather have the draft pick and a different, and well, then you lose Payton, or would you rather not have the draft pick and you get Payton? And, and let's look at this from Payton's perspective. I get perspective. it. I get it. Let's look at this from Payton's perspective. He might not want to go to a team that has to give up a first round pick to get him. What? You're giving up the fourth pick overall in the draft to get me? I want that fourth pick. I want to be able to spend that fourth pick. I want to be able to use that for. I, I don't. I'll tell you what. The job becomes a lot less attractive for Peyton if he doesn't have the fourth, fourth overall pick as part of the package. I'll tell you what, though. If I'm giving up a future first round pick, I'm a, I'm much more inclined to trade this pick so that way I have one next year. Follow me here. I'll give you next year's first round pick. But then I'm going to take this first round pick and I'm going to trade it so that way I get, you know, maybe a, a, a later pick in the first round and then next year's first, a first round pick from somebody else next year. So I still have a first round pick. Sure. Like I would, I would consider that like I don't, man, I just can't do it. I can't give up a top five pick in the draft for a coach. And I understand that it's, you're right. Parcells, Gruden, you can make an argument that all of them were, were, were worth the money that the, the, the draft picks that they gave up. But I just, man, I cannot. Give up a top five pick. As should be pointed out, the New Orleans Saints do not have a first round pick this year. They do not have one. Their pick right now would be tenth in the NFL draft. It goes to Philadelphia as part of the um, Chris Olave trade. Oh, is that what I believe? To move up right? to get Olave? Yeah, I believe yeah. to move up to I get. get right, yep. I got thumbs up for Mitch. Okay, that was the Olave trade. New Orleans doesn't have a first round pick, so I would imagine for them, securing one this year for Sean Payton services would be. Uh, now let's talk about Harbaugh because we haven't really talked about Harbaugh mm. that much. The Cardinals, Not so much of a sure thing as Sean Payton, in my opinion. I would agree. I think I. Now, but you could get Harbaugh without any draft pick compensation. Yep. So if you've got your choice, you could have Peyton, but you give up your first round pick, or you could have Harbaugh. This is if Cliff gets fired. Okay, we're still we don't know if Cliff is going to get fired. And I'm glad we, have to, we have to point that out. I actually wanted to start the conversation with that, and we we just kind of went off in a different direction quickly. Here's Cliff yesterday when asked about Trey McBride's future and if he can look ahead to next season, given all the speculation about his job security. Like I said, I, I focus on that I'm the head coach today, and we're trying to get better. You know, and I think when you have guys like Trey McBride, that you see that type of progress and you see what. Um, he could be moving forward. That's um, what you try to focus on and try to put all your energies toward and say, how can we keep him going the right direction going in the next year? Look, we had this conversation last week, and we, you and I have had this conversation many, many times. I'm, I don't know what for sure what's going to happen on Monday. You know, we have our, our standard, you know, kind of bets here, coffee bet, lunch bet, car payment bet, yeah. mortgage pay. I'm not mortgage payment that something's going to happen. I'm probably like car payment that something's going to happen. You know, like I, I think but what if something will, but would I be totally shocked if nothing does? Yeah, I'd be shocked, but I don't know if I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe nothing happened. I don't know. Like, I, I this is simple for me. Okay, go ahead. If you can get Sean Payton, fire Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, if you, if you, if Sean Payton wants to come here, then fire Cliff Kingsbury. If you can't get Payton or Harbaugh or Harbaugh, what else is out there? You know, who else could you get? 
You know, that's a question you've got to ask yourself. Who could you get? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I would I would think that there's going to be changes. I would expect that there's going to be changes despite the amount of years left on the Cliff Kingsbury contract. But it becomes a no brainer if you could get one of the highly coveted guys. And I'll put Harbaugh in that group, too. Yeah. If you could get one of those two guys, I think it's a lot easier to to cut bait and, you know, send Cliff on right. his way. But if you can't get one of those guys, um, I would still think the organization feels like they've got to make a change and bring somebody in that can that can lead. Yeah, look, I, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I know what I think should happen. I know what I want to happen. I'm just not sure it's going to happen. Like, sure, sure, it's going to happen. I think I know what's going to happen next Monday. But I, I, I can't sit here and say I know with absolute certainty exactly how next Monday is going to go down. I don't because of what you just pointed out. There's there's multi-million dollar extension on the line, right? There's a question of who you're going to replace him with, who comes in, what are you going to do with general manager, you know, big sweeping changes, things like that. I think they're going to make moves. I want them to make moves, but that doesn't mean I know for sure they will. Okay, Denver Broncos fired Hackett. One year into a deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, you could say Cliff is in the same situation. It's one year into a new deal. Sure. I had no, had no problem here. I, I got a big investment in Russell Wilson. Carlos have a big investment in Kyler Murray. If it's not working, it's not working. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not trying to. Yeah, exactly. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, he's been a welcome addition to the Suns this season. The team has clearly hit a rough patch. How is Damian Lee and the rest of the team staying focused during this tough stretch? We'll ask the Suns guard next. He'll join us on the Burns and Gambo show.